Hey everyone, welcome again to the Badass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show podcast where we talk about Batman the Animated Series, but this time we're actually talking about Superman the Animated Series because mm-hmm. today we are covering the three-part world's finest crossover between Superman the Animated Series and the new Batman Adventures. My name is Clay McCormick and with me as always is Sean Murphy. How you doing, Sean? All right, Clay and general audience members. <laughs> yes. I had a discussion with my wife that's perfect for this 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 uh, group. Go on. What is the most epic rock lyric? The wheel in the sky keeps on turning or <laughs> every rose has its thorn. And before you answer, mm-hmm. I want to give us some context. Imagine Joe Sixpack driving his broken Camaro home from his shitty factory job, right? Life didn't work out. He sucked at school. He failed philosophy. He doesn't like to read. But God damn it, his ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. is wrong about mm-hmm. him. He is not a man without a soul. He might eat too much beef jerky. But this road warrior is also a road poet. And his favorite lyric is, which one? Uh, probably every, every rose has its thorn. Oh, hard disagree. Well, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I think that Wheel in the Sky is a better lyric because uh, I hate that song, Rose, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. I think it's, um, yep. but like if you wanted to boil it down to um, the, <laughs> the, the basest, basest rock and roll emotion, <laughs> I guess I would say, uh, but Wheel in the yeah. Sky Keeps on Turning is, is a pretty, pretty epic lyric. So that's the thing. It, it's it's I agree and I'm not a journey fan they're like made fun of like Nickelback in, in a weird way they're, they're more talented than Nickelback um hold on and back up are you taking Nickelback's side in this <laughs> no 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 because you're because no, no, no. you're about to lose all your credibility with whatever you said <laughs> no. next no I'm not taking Nickelback's side I'm just saying journey was a band that was easy to make fun of back in the day mm-hmm. however the wheel in the sky keeps on turning might be the most epic rock lyric in existence. And I've been racking my brain trying to find a better one. And I brought this up to my wife, and she gives me Every Rose Has a Thorn, mm-hmm. which I agree is also epic. And the nice thing, of the, the, it's, you, to have an epic rock lyric, you need something that's kind of easy to remember, kind of catchy, and kind of profound in a very blue-collar way, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, um, the reason I don't think Every Rose Has a Thorn is that epic is because... They didn't create that lyric, whereas the wheel in the sky keeps on turning, as far as I know, was created by Journey. That's fair. Yeah. Also, wheel, um, Every Rose Has Its Thorn is a pretty, uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a hacky lyric and a hacky song. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I, th- and I, I mean, Every Rose Has Its Thorn must be a mil- that phrase must be a million years old. I mean, if you're a Neanderthal wandering you know, the savannah and you pick up a rose for the first time and it pricks you... I mean, later that night by the campfire, one of you is going to be like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it is kind of ironic that it was such a pretty flower, mm-hmm. yet here I am bleeding I, to death. <laughs> I will say, though, that the most epic rock lyric is any pairing of the words fire and desire, because it just, I don't know who the first person was to do that, but all of rock and roll has that person to thank, because... Every yeah. time it's every time it ha- every time one of those words comes up, you have to do it. It's like written into the contract, <laughs> I think, that you sign. Yeah, and it works. Right. It works every time, and it's also ha- even though you know it's coming, it's like oh, they're going to oh, there it is. Yeah. But it still works. Right. 
It's, so we uh, spent two hours on this road trip trying to find a list of epic rock lyrics. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people that compile these lists online are morons because a lot of them, they're just, um, they're not that good. But I, I challenge you, Clay, and listeners, go look through Kiss's lyrics. Go look through Bon Jovi. <laughs> go look through these adult 80, metal 80s bands and find me a lyric that's better. Because the wheel in the sky keeps on turning. I mean, you're dealing with the goddamn sky, you know? Right. I mean, yeah. that's about as epic as it gets. And I hate to give Journey number one ranking anything, so I'm dying to find a better lyric than that. Hey, I'm I'm a I'm a I love Journey. I'm willing to give them number one ranking for anything, honestly. Okay. That's fair. I think this comes from my Henry Rollins background because he used to love making fun of Journey in Kansas and Boston and Oh yeah, bands, oh so. yeah. Those guys yeah, <laughs> Rollins comes from the era where they were just coming off of all those bands. And yeah. so that was, they were the Black Flag and all those guys were the antithesis of all that exactly. arena rock. So that's, that makes sense. That's why I'm calling, because I think Nickelback in a way is made fun of just as easily as Journey used to be by the punk Sure, okay. That's why I, I brought up Nickelback. Saying. I'm not defending Nickelback. Yeah. All right, so let's get into some Batman and Superman. <laughs> yes. Noted, I'm going to, uh, tomorrow on your Wikipedia page, it's going to say Sean Murphy, <laughs> DC Comics artist, noted Nickelback defender. <laughs> I heard of uh, I I was going through some podcasts and I accidentally skipped over one that said the the, the in defense of Nickelback and I can't find it now. Uh, I'm dying to know why we all just descended upon that band as the band to make fun of. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I think it's a little unfair only because there are more bands in their genre that are equally worthy of criticism. <laughs> yeah, like how did Puddle of Mud get through? But we all landed on Nickelback. Yeah, I think it was just the most famous of all those. Like it was the it was the they they yeah. burned the brightest, I guess. I mean, Creed is my go-to make fun of band because mm-hmm. you also have like the Christian element and him and the you know Jesus pose on the side of cliffs. I mean, that's the one to make fun of for mm-hmm. me. I mean, with, everyone... with arms with arms wide open, that's a pretty pretty <laughs> epic lyric right there. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I'd like to disagree with you, but that might be a contender. Also, what um, about? Um, uh, on a hot summer night, would you offer your wolf? To, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses, Jim Steinman? See, that's good. Kind of long though. That's true. We're looking for something that really hits Johnny Six Pack right between the eyes. Like you know what I mean? It has to be the right amount of profound but dumb and easy to remember. That's fair. That's fair. You can't really you can't really chant that. I guess if you go through, I went through uh, Zeppelin lyrics. Zeppelin lyrics are all too smart. They're just too, you know, you have to sit and think about what they're saying. It's it's too over my head. Whereas you go to Bon Jovi lyrics, I mean, his stuff looks like it's written by a 12-year-old. It's the most (laughs) stupid, like, iron horse I ride. I travel from town to town through the desert with a six-string on my back. Ooh, Mm -hmm. six-string, six-gun pistol. You just, like, shooting your guitar at people in the in the old west like divvying out musical hits is that what you are some kind of weird rock cowboy it's so bizarre i mean i like bon jovi's music but his lyrics are really idiotic i don't know man if if that's the criteria you're going by um oh we're halfway there living on a prayer is pretty high up there i think so granted, we've got um, the one where he and the girl are runaway train, or I can't. So there's a, a handful of Bon Jovi lyrics, uh, which I'm happy to defend. But mm-hmm. a lot of his shit, especially when when he went off on his own <laughs> to do Blaze of Glory. <laughs> oh, Blaze of Glory, Young Guns too takes me back. Yeah, 
So uh, this is actually a longer derailment than I thought it would be. Yeah. But I figured you'd be the right guy. This would be perfect for one of your uh, music podcasts. Oh, no. Actually. I could do an entire podcast just talking about this. So if you ever want to do that, you, you let when me we're know. on the road, I'm like looking at my wife. I'm like, Clay would love this, conf- this, this conversation. I bet he's got answers that we can't think of right now. Oh, yes. No, this conversation would have been the entire 18-hour ride from North Carolina or wherever you're going. <laughs> Uh, another contender was uh, Guns N' Roses. Um, we don't need your civil war. What's so civil about war anyway? Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of hacky, I think. Yeah. Like, and then the other question is, how far back do you want to go? Do you want to go to the Eagles? Do you want to go to the 70s? And when does the window close? In the early 90s? Right, yeah. Because epic rock kind of comes hand in hand with dumb 80s metal. Sure. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah like you you can find some epic sh- stuff that might qualify from bob dylan but i feel like the meat of it of this question really has to deal with like 1975 to 1992 yes yeah if the, if that's the window that you're working with yeah that that i understand <laughs> that that focuses it down a bit more it's like you're talking about yeah. like arena rock yeah through hair metal yeah what what exactly. is what is the most epic lyric I yeah. think I think some of those those '80s bands they were swinging for the fence with a lot of that stuff because I mean yeah. the entire 11 minutes or however many of November Rain is pretty much trying to be 11 straight yeah. minutes of that. Um, yeah. but yeah, but there's no go. There's no um, repeated lyric in November Rain that really has that epic, you know, lyric that I'm talking yeah. that I'm looking for. You know, you know, like, we, that's a, that's an epic song. Wheel but. in the Sky is a good contender because. I yeah. always forget about that song, and every time it comes on, I'm like, "Yeah, this." I forgot about "Wheel in the Sky." This song is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I feel that way about "Wheel in the Sky." I feel that way about uh, "18 in Life." Sure. Yep. Yeah, Skid Row band. I mean, I feel like even the dumbest, even a rat, must have a hit where it they do have like a that's pretty epic actually you know yeah the all those bands every album they put out had two singles one that was like the hard rocker and then one that was the uh the power ballad yeah and towards the end they became so uh yeah you could see right through them every time where it's like there was one (laughs) one music video for the hard rocker that was like high concept and then the next music video for the power ballad was just like a montage of live footage in slow motion. Right. And then, you know, yeah. the lead singer playing a piano. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was a different time. Yeah. My favorite, yeah. my favorite period of music, and I don't mean the music that was made, but just because it fascinates me so much, is yeah. um, Wayne's World era hard rock because yeah. it was just after grunge destroyed hair metal. Yeah. But there were all these metal bands that were kind of hair metal bands that were trying to survive blending with like thrash and stuff, turning into <laughs> yeah. this really weird aesthetic where it's like they still have long hair, but it's all really straight. They're wearing yeah. uh they're wearing uh uh flannel because of the grunge thing, but they're also wearing yeah. like metalhead torn jeans and boots <laughs> and stuff. It's such it is the weirdest yeah. period of rock music because they didn't yeah. Stylistically, they had no idea what the fuck was going on. Yeah, they got hit by a train in the shape of Kurt Cobain, and uh, it, I think it's epitomized by Bon Jovi in 1994. He did a uh, remix of "Living on a Prayer," I think, mm-hmm. um, 
and he had a music video out, and suddenly his hair was short. He looked like Eddie Vedder, mm-hmm. or it looked like he was trying to be Eddie Vedder. It was plaid everywhere, and it was just like, all right, idiot, we know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you, you are so <laughs> the death rattle happened, and you're like, oh shit, something's going on here. And like the corporations lost control of rock and roll for a while. Yeah. Once, once Metallica cut their hair and, yeah. and put out those two pretty forgettable middle of the road yeah. radio rock albums yeah. it was it was pretty much over at that point right it's interesting though that aerosmith survived through all of that they just stuck to their guns basically you know aerosmith like, they weren't is interesting because they they survived but they survived by constantly dying and being revived <laughs> because they were big in the 70s and then they had a huge yeah. drop off until run dmc brought them back from the dead and then right. they kind of had another drop off in the mid '90s until Armageddon yeah. brought them back, and they've kind of yeah. been like they've kind of been right. operating above the bar because they're kind of in that classic um, yeah. uh, legend <laughs> status after that point. But yeah, That's they the are. Thing. Yeah. yeah, they you are. Survived twenty years. You've you're at legend status now, so it's a different set of rules. Yeah, yeah, it's very fascinating tracking some of these bands backwards, yeah. though. But uh, yeah. uh, well, thank you for joining us on Hard Rock History with Sean <laughs> I, Clay. I was surprised you let that go so long, Clay. Oh, I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm not kidding. I will talk about this the whole show <laughs> and make people very <laughs> unhappy. Right. Let's get to some Superman then, shall we? <laughs> I have no qualms about this. Yeah, but uh, we unfortunately are not here to talk about <laughs> the uh, uh, esoteric history of of rock and roll lyrics. We're here to talk about um, Superman the Animated Series, specifically three episodes titled World's Finest Part 1, 2, and 3, which is the first crossover between Superman the Animated Series and the new Batman Adventures. Um, So we have never really talked about Superman before on the show, uh, obviously, because he's never shown up on on the other show. I think we've talked about him a little bit in passing. But uh, we talked about Nicolas Cage and how that movie looked like it was going to be epic. Yes, yeah, yes. We could do a whole. We could do another twenty minutes talking about that if you want. <laughs> um, but yeah. So what what is your history with Superman as a character? Do you like him? Do you hate him? Uh, what's yeah. your favorite version? Um, yeah, yeah. Take it from there. Um, well, I was born in nineteen eighty, and I. My mom liked Superman, and I, I came online. Like my memory doesn't go back to the day I was born, obviously, but I recall pretty early on watching Superman movies before I really knew what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, and like a lot of us at that age, you just oh cool, men man can fly. That's awesome. The colors were pretty cool and popped. You know, especially when you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Superman might have been my first superhero that i really liked as a kid um i remember being in kindergarten preschool actually with greg from uh off-road fame you you know greg i do yes we knew each other when we were three and we were in preschool together and i remember he had that superman action figure where you squeeze his legs and his hands do like a punchy thing oh sure yeah and i thought that that blew my mind and i wanted that (laughs) so badly and i went back to my mom and i told her about it and i didn't know what money was at the time Mm -hmm. and i didn't know i could i could have been like hey i'll do my own laundry for a while if you buy me that action figure you know like this is a teaching moment and i'm so annoyed right now looking back i would have killed for that action figure it must have been only like what three dollars and they didn't get it for me ever (laughs) not for any christmas birthday present or whatever they wouldn't get it for me well, if my if my understanding of inflation is correct, three dollars in nineteen eighty three <laughs> or eighty five is like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in twenty twenty one money. 
That's exactly right. Yeah. Not in crypto, though. Yes, right. Uh, I remember uh, get, having a black Spider-Man action figure oh, yeah. early on mm-hmm. and thinking he, this guy is always black. Like, I didn't know that he was supposed to be red and blue. Um, yeah, it's all kind of a haze. But I, I remember Superman being one of the big ones early on. And I've got photos of myself having, like, Superman birthday parties and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I was a big fan of that stuff. Uh, what, what about you? Um, Superman has, I think... Batman has always been the first comic book character that I remember. Like my my memory of co- being aware of comic book characters basically goes back to yeah. uh, Michael Keaton Batman, and sort right. of blooms out from there. But even before that, I I was aware of Superman. I had the soup the Christopher Reeve movies on videotape. Um, yeah. I had I actually. My favorite version of Superman when I was a kid was actually the Fleischer cartoons. Um, mm, yeah. I think because I didn't understand them because they were so kind of different as far as the way he looked and yeah. uh, his power set and the way the cartoons were done and everything. I think maybe that was the uh, origin of my love of uh, different costumes and, and uh, yeah. you know collecting that kind of stuff. Yeah, but so two things. Yeah, one, you're about four years younger than me. Is that right? Yes, yes. How old are you right now? Uh, thirty-eight. Oh, thirty-nine. So you're three years younger. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it makes sense that you came online as Michael Keaton was gearing up. Um, the second thing, where did you get to see Fleischer cartoons? Because this is before the internet mm-hmm. and. VHS? Yeah, I don't... I didn't see those until college. I don't know where we got them, but I had a VHS tape of them where one of my my parents taped them off TV somehow. But I had maybe four or five episodes uh, on VHS with with some other stuff. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I had the the first one where he fights the robots. I had another one which I always loved where there was someone who was dressed up as Superman committing crimes. And then uh, uh, at the end yeah. of it, Superman takes the guy's place and goes back to the mob boss who's sending this guy out. And, you know, it's it's a it's kind of similar to the uh, what happens in that one episode of animated series where Batman takes the place or Superman takes the place of Batman. So yeah. the mob guy goes to hit this crony with a golf club and the golf club bends and stuff. It's you know, it's good stuff. It's always it's always a good moment. Oh, yeah. About to punch Superman, but doesn't know it. Yeah. It <laughs> doesn't really get old. But uh, but yeah, I, I was Superman was was always around in my comic book upbringing because I had, you know, I had the first two movies on VHS. I don't think I had the third one. Uh, I had those mm-hmm. cartoons. I had. Uh, I never really collected Superman comics, but I had them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember being all in in the death of Superman and Superman Reborn and all that kind of stuff. That was probably the right. only time I really started collecting Superman comics. But what? Uh, yeah. um, what? What are your so thoughts me, on him what, as a as a character? Uh, I liked him when I was young but then I, when I discovered Spider-Man I quickly moved on like yeah. Superman to me just got boring for some reason and um, after Spider-Man and X-Men that's when I hit Batman with the animated sure, series sure. and then it was like nothing is greater than this and I, I still feel that way <laughs> and uh, it's funny because when, when they brought in the Superman series after this I remember watching the first few episodes and not loving it Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know, I think they were probably done really, really well. I'm just not a Superman fan. And I don't know if it's just, it's not my taste or if he's too overpowered. 
And it seems like, you know, writing a godlike character is kind of tricky for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, or if he's just lame. The, the Boy Scout thing just bothered me because Batman was obviously way more badass, you know. But uh, I at that time, also, I was probably a senior in high school, driver's license, getting ready for college. So I was just busy and not really watching TV as much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I never really uh, got into the Superman stuff. But I will say, like, the design of him looks great. The, the shape of the chin and like the thick eyebrows and the spit curl and like how his eyes are just black shapes basically i think like because they went through a few different versions of superman for the bruce tim universe mm-hmm. and this is still i think the best looking one yeah i i think superman it's the problem you run into when you have these characters who their design is so bulletproof that yeah. no matter what you change it's not going to feel right and superman yeah. is probably Number one on that list, with maybe number two being mm-hmm. Spider. Well, Spider Man's pretty adaptable, but I feel like the Spider Man costume is a perfect yeah. design. So anytime you try messing with it, there's always yeah. something that Especially feels kind the of black funky. One. Yeah, yes, the original one. Yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the original black one. Yeah. Um, but when you start, but but the Superman costume is just so stylistically bulletproof that mm-hmm. every time you change anything on it, it feels weird. Like yeah. the, they've been trying for decades to get rid of his red pants, and <laughs> I kind of feel like you can't do it. There's some for some reason yeah. that those red pants break up the suit in a perfect way yeah. that separate yeah. the blue legs and the blue top, and he's got the red boots. Yeah. So without the red pants, it feels like he's you know naked. Yeah, and uh, I my big design hang up on Superman suits is the neck. Because yeah. um, <laughs> on shows, a, a lot of times now they give him a uh, a crew neck top where it's very yeah. tight around his neck and it leaves nowhere yeah. for the cape to go. The Superman costume that works the best is the boat neck wide neck because the co- the cape yeah. has a lot more room to breathe. And if yeah. you look at live action Superman costumes, the ones that feel weird are the ones that have really tight necks. Yeah, I, I actually agree with almost everything you said. Um if I had to do Superman, I wouldn't even try to mess with the costume because mm-hmm. just just don't. If you want to have your interpretation of Metropolis behind him, then go ahead. I mean, maybe you play with the hair and the shape and the eyebrows a little bit, but even when people try to like make his sleeves a little longer, it just doesn't feel right. right. Or if the sleeves are too short, it doesn't feel right. Or like you're going to give him boots with uh, like army boots with like thicker teeth. That doesn't make any sense. Or even giving him gloves. Why does he need gloves? Like, <laughs> I mean, the only move interpretation on Superman I was gonna say would be the neckline, whether it's a uh, slight collar mm-hmm. uh, with the cape, or if it's like a pl- plunging V line. Some of the costumes show a lot of his upper chest, and, and you got to show uh, off those trap. traps, man. Yeah, <laughs> like too much so. And then in the '90s, they played with his hair a lot by giving him a mullet, or mm-hmm. I don't know what you would call that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I don't think you should try to mess with Superman. And um, yeah, he's just one of those like Batman. Yeah, absolutely, you can interpret Batman a hundred different ways. But like Superman, Spider Man, even Batman Beyond, I tried to find a better way to tweak that costume. I even thought I could get rid of the mouth. It just looks perfect yeah. the way they first designed it. Like I shrunk the ears because I'm not a long ear guy, but otherwise it's pretty bulletproof. You know? Yeah, yeah. I I think the um the symbol is also really hard to mess with in any really meaningful way as well because it's just it's like a 
brilliant design. I I love the Fleischer symbol, the more simplified one with the black behind it. Um, but that almost reads as a different symbol completely to me, because yeah. they've tried to do that where they put the black behind the normal the the traditional S and it doesn't really work. The only time it's really yeah. worked for me is I think Alex Ross nailed it with uh, Kingdom Come, where he yeah. just turned it into this almost like. Uh, uh, a memorial band where it's the black yeah. diamond with like just a stripe of red through the middle of it. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> that's probably my top yeah. top three favorite super Superman symbol designs is probably yeah. uh, uh, Fleischer yeah. classic and then Kingdom Come. <laughs> you know, I remember when because I loved Kingdom Come, I loved Alex Ross, and I remember thinking if I ever get a tattoo, I'm getting that tattoo because mm-hmm. the black Superman in mourning thing was pretty cool, and then. In like the 2000s to 2015, I was like, "Boy, am I glad I didn't get that <laughs> tattoo." But now I see someone with that, and I'm like, "I think it's bad. I think it works now. Yeah. I think, if, especially if it's faded 20 years and you still are sticking with it, it's like, you know what? I think that tattoo just became punk rock." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's like uh, I've never gotten a tattoo because I've never like I, I I know I would regret it immediately. <laughs> Um, yeah. And if I had gotten one when I was younger, it would have been for something that I, two years later, I'd be like, oh, God, I'm stuck with this. The closest right. thing I could think of was I wanted to get the Led Zeppelin Zoso thing yeah, or the and also yeah. the other uh, symbols. But even that, it's yeah. like I still love Led Zeppelin. But if I looked in the mirror now and I had that on my arm, I'd go like, ugh. <laughs> Especially if it's the only one you have. Right. Yes. Like that's just the more you get, the more they all less they all mean. Right. Right. In right. Kind of a, in a kind of a good way. You know, like you see someone with a sleeve. You don't actually look closely at what the hell he has. You're just like, oh, sleeve, whatever. Yeah. Like it just blends <laughs> in, you know. It's when you have like one tattoo surrounded by skin color. It's like, what is that? Yeah, you know. There's a a, a wrestler who's pretty uh, popular right now who has he only has two tattoos. He's got uh, Dream in a very nice font written over his heart, which is a reference yeah. to his father. And then he's got his own like branded lo- logo tattooed gigantically on the side of his fucking neck and it is the weirdest worst looking tattoo i've ever seen that's pretty funny yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i only have two i only go for black i don't like color tattoos it's just the gear shift and uh, a tattoo from last of the mohicans mm-hmm. which is pretty pretty lame but it's kind of hard to spot like people who've seen that movie a million times might not know that my wrist tattoo is actually from that movie so it kind of gets by and if you do catch it you're kind of in the club and right it makes you cool yeah. you know like oh man you saw that movie a lot to know his tattoo yeah that's that's the secret with that stuff for me as well where it's like i need something that i know that not everybody would immediately recognize as like a pop culture thing yeah especially being artists too it's like do you get your own art on it do you right if you do it's like that seems weird and then we're so picky with art and imagery that it's it's hard like i go i think long and hard before i get a tattoo and i'm there's a reason why i'm not covered in them yeah yeah but you uh um you're gonna get the the kingdom Kong superman sign just <laughs> huge across your chest right? <laughs> it's funny because i asked clay last week if you had to get a band tattoo what would you get and then he answered with uh led zeppelin and uh I was going to say Van Halen because I really like their first record. And I think the Van Halen logo is pretty bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I think I would get a Boston tattoo with the upside down UFO guitar. Oh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. As, as 
It, from New England, I know Brad Delp comes from the area. My dad liked that band. Like Boston, for me, has like a strange place in my heart, and I think I could live with that tattoo. Yeah, that, that works on two levels, because one, it would be a trashy 70s rock tattoo, <laughs> and two, it would be a trashy <laughs> I'm from Boston tattoo. So, you've, <laughs> so you it walk, cancels each other out. Yeah, you walk down to the garden, you'll drink for free all night with those tattoos. <laughs> I was telling my wife about our conversation about Amy Adams's uh, Boston accent. Yeah. And how she should have used it in uh, that sci-fi movie. <laughs> and, and I'm laughing my balls off, telling her about how they should have named the aliens Donnie and Maki and how the aliens fucking parked their teardrop spaceship over on the hill mm-hmm. and going through the whole shtick. And she is not laughing at all. And I was getting angry because I'm like, this is comedy genius that Clay and I came up with. I don't know what the fuck the matter with you. <laughs> Uh, you know, bombing in front of your loved ones is always worse than bombing I mean, in front of a crowd. I, I still love my wife. <laughs> you know, I think of I think of love as a circle, and you kind of the dot in that circle. As long as you're in that circle, you're still in love. But I am definitely more on the outskirts of that love circle than I was before <laughs> she said that to me. I mean, that's totally fair. I mean, that that tracks. <laughs> uh, okay. What are we talking um, about, Superman? Yeah. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. For for me, as a, he Superman as a character. Uh, I've I've gone through a lot of permutations with him. I think as far as how much I liked him, and I kind of went through the thing where it's like, oh, he's overpowered, blah blah blah. Um, but I think there's a certain thing about him that uh, really kind of sets him apart from most other superheroes. And one of the biggest breakthroughs I had actually with Superman as a character actually came from Kill Bill. Oddly enough, right? Not to sound too cheesy yeah but that that uh speech that bill has about clark kent being the costume and superman being who he really is and clark kent is his judgment of this is what he thinks a human is it's like it's it's a little bit kind of hip a little bit too hip for me in some places but it's a it's an interesting way of thinking about that character because he is so he is really unique in that way where it's kind of him and wonder woman are the two big ones who are not of earth but are living here and protecting it yeah. you know yeah um and i i think there's i think when he's over, too overpowered yeah it can be tough to write stories for him what i actually like about this show is they seem to dial his power back a bit so he's not just completely invincible yeah. like you can you can knock him around pretty good in this show yeah, I think it's good that he gets his ass kicked by a robot. Yeah. And he gets almost knocked out, and it takes him a bit to recover, and I think that's that's what you have to do. If he's just always impervious, that's just fucking boring, you know? Right, yeah. Yeah. My my thoughts on Superman kind of crystallized in the last couple of years since specifically the, uh, the Snyder version right. of Superman came out, because... Yeah, I always thought like I, I never really had a counterpoint to bounce bounce it off to really figure out how I felt about the character. But yeah. after seeing that version, <clears throat> it occurred to me that the thing that makes Superman Superman is not that he's like a god who is out here judging the earth and is aloof and all that kind of stuff. It's that he is the person who's always going to get up. He's the person who's always going to do what everything he can to save people. And so mm-hmm. when you present a Superman that's kind of like a little bit more uh, removed from 
the people he's supposedly trying to save. It just kind of feels disingenuous to me. Like the yeah. watching watching Man of Steel, the thing I kept thinking about mm-hmm. was Superman two that with the Christopher Reeve Superman two yeah. where he's fighting Zod in town, and the first thing that he does is figure out how to get them out of Metropolis so they don't yeah. hurt anybody, and like that feels like Superman right. to me. Whereas destroying knocking people th- and I, I understand what they were going for but you know i uh i like superman as a symbol i don't know if i like him as a fictional character mm-hmm. i don't know if i find him interesting um i think that it's better in shows like this where he can kind of get beat up by a giant robot like uh, right, it's yeah. not clear that this thing could not just eventually pummel him to death you know um when he's too powerful it, it's just a plot ca- a plot buster uh and i don't think it makes him interesting and um i don't know like like i'm glad he's around i'm glad that you know he's the icon of dc and i get why he's always going to be around but i'm not sure modern audiences know what to do with him because superman works as a radio show in the 1930s because mm-hmm. you know we didn't know a lot about the world outside of america and people you know stopping uh bank robberies and stuff seemed pretty cool but like now, when we watch Superman, every time he picks up a car and throws it, we're all thinking, well, who's going to pay for the damage? <laughs> um, or uh, you have questions like, how does this guy, how, does this, how do his powers work? How can he constantly try to remain neutral? Um, I think this idea of Superman is just a tough sell to modern audiences. You know, I, I think that they can get down with X-Men and Batman, who's more grounded. But, I mean, maybe what the DC movies have shown us is... These godlike characters just don't work with modern audiences for some reason. Um, but I know a lot of people that disagree with that. Yeah, I, I think I would probably push back on that because I, I think that Superman has a, especially now when everything is so kind of like, can be so dark and bleak. Yeah. Superman stands out as he's the one who his entire, for me anyway, his entire um, ethos is saving as many people as he can. You know, there's right. there's a, uh, a sort of a... Because the question that always comes up with him is like, well, why doesn't he just fix everything then? It's like, well, yeah. he's that's what not, not what he's there to do. You know, that would make right. him uh, a dictator, and that's not what he wants to do. There's a, there's a concept that uh, my girlfriend introduced me to from uh, the business school stuff that she's been going to that I, of course, immediately applied to comic book characters because that's the only way I know mm-hmm. how to handle things. And uh, <laughs> it, was, it was the idea of what you're doing versus why you're doing it. And my first thought was that but if you apply it to Batman and Superman – Batman is more of a what character where the thing that he's doing is the point. Like he's doing things because he's trying to get to a certain outcome or get a certain result. Superman mm-hmm. does what he does to to set an example. Like he's there to present the he's more of a why character who's presenting that the the thing that he's doing is meant to provide an example for other people to take what he's doing and, and go forward on their own. And I think that sort of idea of who Superman is makes him a lot more applicable to mm-hmm. modern audiences, especially because, like, if you think about the uh, um, Man of Steel, I was so kind of disheartened by Man of Steel because, especially at the time when that movie came out, I was 
I really wanted to see a character like Superman who was using the power that he had to save people and to be the one who can climb up out of the rubble and, you know, hold back the the, the bad stuff. And yeah. for me in that movie, the only time Superman really shows up is in the oil rig sequence when, mm-hmm. you know, that whole thing is coming yeah. down and then he gets up under it and holds it up long enough for the guys to get off the oil rig. That's like yeah. A-plus Superman stuff. The stuff where yeah. he's fighting Zod doesn't really feel like Superman to me. That feels like everything else, every other superhero. Yeah. And I think that the... But- the the thing that is interesting to me um, is that Marvel has been eating DC's lunch pretty consistently for the past 10 years. Yeah. Even to the point where I think Chris Evans' Captain America is probably the best version of Superman that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. But Superman, because he's faster than a speeding bullet and can do all this shit... The minute any soldier out there dies on a black ops mission, it's like, why wasn't Superman just doing it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Why doesn't Superman go to North Korea and just take, uh, you know, all the nuclear weapons? Why doesn't he... Because then when he takes all the nuclear weapons and throws them into the sun, Lex Luthor slips a thing into the nuclear bombs that creates the nuclear man who is his greatest foe and can cut him (laughs) with his razor sharp fingernails. That's why. (laughs) But I don't know. I just feel like if Superman was real, we because of social media and the news and Twitter, like we are very aware of what's happening in places like North Korea, for example. Mm-hmm. If Superman was real and he was an American, and that's debatable. You know, he's an Earthling, you would say. But if if he's an American, you know, the American way, whatever that speech is, why wouldn't he just go to North Korea and take their nukes? Like, if he chooses to lead by example, like you're saying. Then what he's kind of saying sometimes is, I'm going to kind of let humans kill each other, and uh, they're going to make mistakes, and hopefully they'll look at my example and be better, but I'm going to kind of sit to the side for some of these problems, which might cause a lot of death, and hopefully humans will come around and follow my example. Like, he kind of doesn't want to get involved with everything, Mm -hmm. I think is kind of what you're sort of indirectly saying. And I don't know how to deal with that as a writer or how to feel about Superman, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, think of it like a Star Trek episode. Superman is kind of like a walking prime directive, right? Right. Where he is he's yeah. choosing to not get involved in sort of... And also, at the same time, he's still only one person. And I think right. he understands that he can do all of this stuff. He could fly to North Korea and take all of their nukes. Right. He could you know, uh, force all the governments of the world to sit down and and talk to each other or whatever, or destroy all these different dictatorships. But I think he understands that's not going to do any good because he's not looking to rule the world. And Mm -hmm. eventually that tactic only gets you so far. But I mean, the the minute, if he's going to be wasting time stopping bank robberies and saving cats out of trees, then it's like, Dude, you should be in North Korea right now. Like, I, I don't know how, why you feel like the the best way you can spend your time is to save as many lives as possible. That version of Superman is very different than other versions. Like, I listen, I agree. It will be if Superman erase everything and just make him who he is. Uh, you know, he's an alien. He's got all these powers, and he's grown up in Earth, and he likes humans, and he has some hope. But he's also not going to step in to solve every little problem. Mm-hmm. That makes him kind of intimidating. It doesn't make him a hopeful character. It doesn't 
fill me with warmth to think about Superman in the sky looking down, sort of allowing humans to go to war every now and then just to hope that they'll do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not a hopeful Superman. That's like a god in the sky who intervenes when he has to, you know, because he's concerned about the prime directive. That's not the warm, fuzzy, fun Superman that I have in my childhood. Like, the one that feels like Superman is the one that's robbing banks. But in modern times, if you have a Superman that's stopping bank robberies, that raises a lot of questions. Like, why aren't you in North Korea? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, you just can't have it both ways, is, is what I'm saying. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I think if you want to... Ex- it, it all depends on how wide you want to expand that circle out. Because I think you yeah. can... You gotta have to, you have to make a choice on what kind of suit, what kind of what you right. want him to do. Like as a kid, Superman works because I was very innocent as a kid, and I thought saving cats from trees and stopping bank robberies was cool. I didn't know how complicated the world is. I didn't know about North Korea. So as I got older, Superman it sort of doesn't work anymore. It works if your audience is simple or uh, naive, I should say. But with the internet and age of information, the world is not naive anymore. So the charm of Superman has a hard time existing these days because we know that there's just... I, and I feel like X-Men and Spider-Man and Batman, those characters can adjust for the new world we live in and still be entertaining and still speak to people. But Superman's design and how he's created and his power set kind of makes him hard a hard sell these days for me that that's sort of the best way I can describe it. Yeah. 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 I guess I just, I just disagree. I think, I yeah. think he does have a role in, in, I, I think he as a character does have a role in, in modern times because you can, I think you can adjust him to what you need him to do. Um, yeah. Because yeah, like I was saying, yeah, I, I guess if you want to extrapolate it out, he could be going into North Korea and destroying all their bombs and stuff. But like, I, I don't know if that that's not really an interesting story to me. Yeah. Um, because then that just sort of turn either turns the entire world against him or turns him into a dictator of some sort. Yeah. And it's a uh, it's yeah, it's just not I I think I think you can use a character like him on a smaller level without and have it be effective without mm-hmm. having to extrapolate it out to world politics. For instance, so, I mean, like the the way when he first showed up in the in the 30s or the 40s or late 30s, early yeah. 40s, um, he was like slapping around slumlords and stuff like he he's the <laughs> Superman yeah. is the 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 power fantasy of the downtrodden, essentially, you know, people who mm-hmm. are, are getting fucked over by the guy. That's why I've never totally been OK with him being portrayed as like a weapon of the government or like an agent of the government. Yeah, because he should be, he should be an agent of the people more than an agent of the government. Like if you right. if you were to uh, ascribe two different political theories onto Batman and Superman, Batman is a capitalist. Superman is probably a communist. So that's why I, <laughs> in uh, Dark Knight Returns, I always find it interesting that they play Superman more as a, uh, a Reagan sycophant uh, mm-hmm. than than anything else. <clears throat> yeah. I agree that there is a version of Superman that I like, but you really need to answer a few basic questions before you dive down into what kind of Superman you're going to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know, if he's a charming, you know, guy stopping bank robberies, that works. But 
you really can't introduce the idea of North Korea outside your story. You know, you, ha- you have to kind of keep it um, limited in its scope. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Sure, yeah. If you just keep it about Metropolis, don't talk about world politics. Forget about the military. Just keep it about him as a reporter and he's doing stuff around the city to help people. Then I think Superman works. But when you open it up to global politics, that's a different kind of Superman. And right. that can work as well. But you need to sort of rewrite your 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 Bible for Superman. Like, what kind of Superman is this going to be now? You know, and, you know the communist dis- dictator Superman, I think, is one of the most interesting ones. Especially there's that episode in the Superman animated series where he, Lois dies or something, and he decides to just take over the world and sure. rules as a, sure. a, a fascist dictator. And like, I thought that was brilliant. And I can see why there's a version of Superman that would probably just do that. You right, know? right. And he's not wrong, necessarily. Assuming he can keep, you know, his uh, his ego in check. But I, I do feel like the best version of Superman is when he is teamed up with Batman. Yes. And I think that, that these episodes really encapsulate that extremely well. Yeah, I, I think that, that the reason they work so well together is because they are like complete inverses of each other. Where yeah. you've got Bruce Wayne, who's the rich kid, uh, who's fully baked into the capitalist system and has all this money and everything, and Clark Kent is a, a kid from a farm town in Kansas, yeah. um, who grew up poor essentially, uh, and you know you got Batman and Superman are two like completely attitude wise are very um, uh, yeah. opposite of each other, and <clears throat> excuse me. One of the more interesting things about this, these uh, these episodes, just to cover them, the uh, the credits. Um, yeah. Part one is uh, where to go here. Uh, damn it! Give me two seconds. Uh, part one story by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini. Teleplay by Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, and Rich Fogel. Part two story by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini. Teleplay by Steve Gerber. Steve Gerber, I think, is the creator of Howard the Duck. So it's nice to see mm. him getting some uh, TV work. <clears throat> yeah. Part three, story by Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, teleplay by Stan Berkowitz. So it sounds like Burnett and Dini probably broke the overall three-parter and then gave it to the yeah. three other guys. Um, yeah. All three episodes directed by to- Toshihiko Matsuda, and they uh, were on October 4th, 1997. Yeah. And this was season two of Superman, the animated series. And season two coincided with the new Batman adventures starting up again, which is oh, okay. Yeah. So that also started in 97 and um, I sorry, I was just going to say, and it really actually explains one of my biggest problems with Batman, uh, the new adventures, which is Bruce Wayne, because I liked, I prefer season one through three Batman, the animated <laughs> series kind of goofy Bruce yep. Wayne because he's a, yep. such a counterpoint to Batman. Yeah. But, the new Bruce Wayne works because he is a counterpoint to Clark Kent because yeah. Clark Kent basically takes the role of bumbling Bruce Wayne. And yeah. so when you have both of them in a show together, if that w- if you had old Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent, they would be essentially kind of, they would be very similar characters that don't really play off of each other very interestingly, but yeah. having the newer kind of colder Bruce Wayne uh, really works up uh, as a foil to Clark Kent. Yeah, that's a great point. I'd never really thought of it that way. If Bruce showed up with a double-breasted brown suit, season one style in Metropolis, he would probably be trying to be buddies with Clark. 
he wouldn't immediately start hitting on Clark's girl. Right. And then <laughs> downplaying Clark and outwardly disrespecting him for no reason. Right. And it's exactly. way more interesting that way that Batman is being kind of a dick to Clark from the get go. Yeah, absolutely. And also, just to get it out of the way, uh, I could read the three-paragraph breakdown of this story, but basically, uh, the Joker steals some kryptonite and tries to work with Lex Luthor to kill Superman, which gets Batman involved, and they all fight each other. So, <laughs> I remember um, like, a lot of my friends in high school were athletes and stuff, and I didn't really talk about like, comic book shit with them at all. But I remember them coming over my house once, and one of them asked about the VHS type I had out, which was this this uh, movie. And uh, we had nothing to do, so they were like, let's put it in. Show us what you're all about. And I was like, all right. And um, so I watched it with two of my best friends who were athletes, and I was trying not to be embarrassed because I was bringing them into my comic book world, you know. And uh, they both really loved it. In fact, um, Brad laughed out loud at the end when Harley's like, put in, and Batman goes, yeah. But at this point, he probably is. Yeah, that's a good joke. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so he, he, this was so good to me that I felt the need to like share with my friends, which I rarely did, and uh, they liked it too, which which was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't watched, um, you know, just to jump into Superman the Animated Series overall, I haven't watched this in a very long time. I remembered liking it, but not liking it as much as Batman. Um, but these three episodes, I thought they were great. I really, really liked all three of them. Yeah. I think Superman as a Boy Scout works if Bruce is the badass. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have this anger. I I feel like I remember in high school writing an essay on why Bruce Wayne doesn't like Clark Kent. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I think it's pretty deep. I mean, you think about like Bruce has fought for, he he didn't have a family life. It was taken away when he was a kid. He had to, yeah, he had a fortune, but he had to fight to become a detective. He had to learn how to fight. He had to learn how to investigate things mm-hmm. about how to be a chemist. Like, nothing came easy to him ever, except for his fortune, which is obviously a big plus. But this guy is like, he's trained himself how to fight when the power goes out, what to do, like how to fix electrical, like how to take cars down, like all the things that it takes for Batman to be good at what he does. And Superman just shows up having done zero... <laughs> Uh, preparation at all and he just is better at it and I imagine that must piss Bruce off because he looks at Superman and he goes you haven't earned this like I have you take away your powers I could kick your ass like you're not doing any kind of extracurricular anything to be better at this you're just born strong and perfect and it just must drive Bruce crazy and Bruce uh, and Clark has like a full family and Bruce doesn't so I imagine Bruce Superman had three parents die. He's got one up on Batman. Depending depending on which version, yeah. <laughs> but I imagine that Bruce looks at Clark as this like naive um, kid who's obsessed with hope, but if he really knew the real world, he would have no hope. He would have vengeance like me. And he sees uh, Superman's powers as a gift, as being this present that Superman has that he didn't earn. And I think that Batman would always have a hard time with Superman because he would just innately be jealous that Clark has the shit that he doesn't and he didn't even have to earn it, you know? Yeah, see, that's interesting because I feel like the end of that story is Superman, is Batman realizing that Superman isn't as naive as he thinks he is and that there is some, that Superman's hope isn't 
a naive a hope born out of naivete but it's because yeah. he has his own road that he's uh traveled to the point that makes him able to be godlike but right. still grounded you know yeah so uh spoilers the end of uh, Beyond the White Knight, I'm going to get into Superman, and I'm really excited because I want to get my universe into JLA territory, but I want to do a world's finest. Problem, though, is my Clark, I'm sorry, my Bruce is like in his 60s now, mm-hmm. and I'm going to introduce Clark in his 20s, which is, I think, kind of an interesting take because it's sure. like old man Batman forced to work with yet another kid, mm-hmm. which he has a terrible record. <laughs> <laughs> um and he, at the first part of my story, I want to have him fighting against Clark, you know, taking his powers away, whatever. And then part two will be, oh, shit, I have to work with this kid. We have to go get his powers back. Now we have to team up. So it's kind of like a buddy cop movie where the old old man has to teach the young whippersnapper a few things. Because in my universe, Bruce Wayne is the first superhero. Right. And I think having like a dynamic of like a, an angry grandfather versus like a hopeful 20-year-old kid is kind of uh, interesting. Sure. Um, and I do want to do that thing you just talked about, where at the end of the story, what Bruce learns about Clark is uh, Clark's superpower is actually his ability to hold back because he's such a deadly weapon. He could easily accidentally um, hurt people. Right. And Bruce Wayne has spent his whole life dialing things up to 11. I want to be the best fighter. I want to be the best detective. I want to be this, I want to be that. I have to be better than everybody else. Whereas Clark Kent spent his whole life holding back, trying to dial down so he doesn't fucking hurt people. Mm -hmm. And I think when Bruce realizes that about Clark, that his superpower isn't flying, it's his ability to hold back, which is something that's foreign to Batman. I think that is what is going to uh, bring them closer together as friends. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely like a spoiler where (laughs) the emotional beat anyway. But uh, as we know, the things that happen on this podcast never get out there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> except for two people who are on those boards yes <laughs> uh no that that sound that's that sounds really cool i think uh <clears throat> doing old old superman and i mean old batman and young superman is, is an interesting juxtaposition that and i think will I, work pretty well you know the, the version of of clark that i think is usually the best one is when he's young and he's starting out and he's sort of figuring shit out and mm-hmm. he's not good at this yet you know like i think that's why smallville is such a hit um sure yeah you know when he's established a superman and been doing it for 30 years and he's been spending all his time absorbing the sunlight and just being stronger and stronger i think that's when it becomes harder to write him but when he's young and he's sort of like you know maybe his powers aren't fully formed yet maybe he's only able to leap over buildings maybe he can't fly yet like i think that stuff's really interesting right yeah yeah um they when they did the new 52 a hand was it new 52 or was it i think it was rebirth actually a handful of years ago Mm -hmm. uh grant morrison wrote the rebooted Superman and kind of wrote him that way where he was kind of a hearkening back to more of like the 1930s version of Superman where he was younger. He was kind of angry and he was, his powers weren't as uh, crystallized and and jacked up as they have been since then. And uh, it was pretty, pretty interesting because yeah, he was kind of back to doing more street level stuff and, and, and he had a lot of stuff to learn it was a really interesting mm-hmm. take on Superman. And he, Grant Morrison, <clears throat> um, I know you have your thoughts on him, but uh, generally his Superman, he has written so many different kinds of Superman, and I think they're all really great. 
Like yeah. uh, All Star Superman, still, I'm not breaking any new ground by saying is probably one of, if not the best Superman books I've ever read. Yeah, I gotta read that. I, I think I read it a while back, but it didn't resonate with me. But yeah, I gotta give that a shot. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I know a lot of people that love what Grant did with with Superman. I'm no disagreement there. Yeah, but it's uh, he, I, I think he's a, I think he can be more more adaptable than a lot of people think. I, it just you kind of you know, what confused. I, I was uh, just what, gonna, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you go. Sorry. I, I was just going to say I think he's I think he's more adaptable than people give him credit for. But I think what's important is exactly what you're talking about, where you just have to set your parameters. You know, yeah. what kind of Superman do you want to play play with? And right. I, I I think. If you extrapolate it out too far, you just kind of lose control of it and start thinking yeah. about like, well, if that means this, then this. Well, that means this. Well, you got to. Yeah. I, one of my one of my big things is always this idea of this narrative cone of vision where you have to yeah. you have to establish what the boundaries of your story are. Right. And just live in that world. So, you know, if right. you're if you're in a Friday the 13th movie. You go. How come the how come the cops never show up? How come the cops don't acknowledge blah blah blah? It's like okay, well that's just that it brings up too many questions. So your <laughs> circle just doesn't expand out that far to figure out well how come the cops never show up? You know, right, it's just yeah. it's just storytelling yeah. choices you have to make before you start building the house. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah, and it's important. I mean, when I was doing White Knight, I was very careful to keep Gotham as an island in a way where you don't talk about bigger politics like everyone was doing you know stories about trump basically and i steered clear of that right and i even was worried when i put uh, world war ii in there oh sure because that acknowledges a historical event in europe and you know because it was so long ago there's a romanticism about world war ii so i feel like having mr freeze you know his dad be a nazi is works but you got to be really careful about that cone that uh narrative cone that you're talking about um it's funny, I'm having a little bit of trouble with Cobra Kai right now because the narrative cone in in season one and two makes sense, mm-hmm. but it's so absurd how yeah. <laughs> a children's karate competition is affecting the lives of so many adults yeah. who have, like Daniel's already, he's clearly a millionaire. He owns his own business. Uh, the new guy that shows up for Cobra Kai lives on the ocean in Santa Monica. Right. Yet, they it's not... <laughs> they've got plenty of time to fuck with a bunch of kids for a sweet karate competition. Yep. And when these fights break out, it's like, why isn't anyone calling the police? Like, I don't know if the show's run its course, but the cone of vision and uh, narrative, uh, sorry, the narrative cone in that show is starting to give me problems. But you have to just buy into the fact that this is a karate show. You need to sort of accept that some things are going to be absurd. Right, right. Don't think about it too much, you know, but I have a hard time not thinking about things. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I think I think the the thing for me is the idea of why doesn't Superman just do X? Like, if if you're watching a Superman or reading a Superman comic or watching a Superman thing, and your thought is, well, how come Superman doesn't just go to North Korea and stop nuclear war or something like that? Right. I feel right. like that's the Superman version of. Well, you know, Batman could do a lot more good if he just gave his money to the government or whatever. You know what I mean? Like right. where it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Fine. Yes, you're not wrong. But that's not what the story that's being told is about. You know, if Superman's right. if Superman's punching uh Brainiac around Metropolis and you're thinking about yeah. how come he's not dealing with the uh uh 
crisis in Uganda or something, it's like, well, yeah. all right, sure, you're not wrong, but that's not the story that's yeah. being told. So let's take it to Spider-Man for a second mm-hmm. and No Way Home. Uh, when Doctor Strange creates a spell that can erase a memory of every single human being on the planet, mm-hmm. altering their brains, basically, well, that begs a question, like, how about you have a spell that makes everyone not racist or sexist? Like, sure. I didn't know you had that kind of magic. Like, the big stunt that you're pulling off raises a lot of questions all of a sudden. Yeah. And I know we're not supposed to think, think of it. I know that this isn't a movie about racism. It's about Spider-Man and all the different Spider-Man versions. And I hate to be that guy. <laughs> but for me, that's where my brain goes when he starts carrying everyone. Everyone's forgetting about Peter Parker, but everyone can also remain racist yeah well i mean i guess racist is not a racism is not a memory based quality so don't don't do that this is the problem with magic i had some another friend tried to explain it to me and i think they missed the point of what i was trying to say (laughs) well racism can be a memory based thing sure Uh, i guess so i don't want to go down this this hole yeah let's we'll talk about racism some other day talk for a different show i think (laughs) <laughs> um, but, uh, getting back to this, to this episode, these episodes, um, yeah. what, how do you, I, I think that this show is very well done. I love the theme song. I think the theme song works really well. Yeah. Um, I like that there's no introduction of the world. It's just that Batman knows that Superman exists. Mm-hmm. I like that they don't waste any time. Uh, yeah. figuring out who each other who each other are, they just use their respective abilities yeah. to figure it out very quickly. I really like that. A yeah, lot. they get. I loved even as a kid. I'm like, I'm really glad that they just got right through that. Yeah, you know, I don't want to waste time. Like, it's obvious that Superman could look through Clark's cowl, sorry, Bruce's cowl, anytime he wants, and he does immediately. And then Batman one ups him by putting a tracer on him because Superman is too naive to think that Batman won't do that. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Yeah. Like they switch off being good at things and they switch off saving each other in really clever ways. Yeah, and I think they use both of their strengths very well in the in the action scenes. I thought the action scenes were really really good in this. Like, uh, yeah, this this is a world where Batman fighting a giant robot makes more sense to me uh, yeah. because the giant robot is the is the is involved in superman's universe so it makes sense that he would encounter that uh, yeah totally agree uh i also wanted to give a shout out to uh lois lane is so good in this yeah, series she's great she's drawn well animated well i mean if she was real if i was animated i would try to date her because she's <laughs> she's awesome uh and i love how fucking snarky like she's such a dick to clark Anytime she could make a joke about farms or cows or corn, mm-hmm. she's going to do it. And she doesn't even do it. It's like the, the delivery of the actress. Like it, She's not even focused on the fact that she's just giving him shit. Right. It's just this constant stream of shit she gives him while she's doing other things at the same time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, it's brutal. Like, where's Clark? I don't know, shucking corn somewhere. And she just leaves. <laughs> like, what the hell? Why are you so mean to him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she's she's great. And that, that actress is uh, Dana Delaney, who is the uh, the female lead in Tombstone. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's great. Yeah, great, great voice actor for this. And you've also got Tim Daly, who is the other guy who's not Steven Weber from Wings as Superman. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. the Kurgan himself, Clancy Brown, as Lex Luthor. I think the cast, the, the voice cast in the show is, is great. Like the, between these yeah. two shows, 
casting for these these shows is a plus. Yeah, I, I remember thinking Tim Daly wasn't my favorite, uh, and I actually used to watch Wings, mm-hmm. um, but I thought his voice was too milk toast and just too like blah. But I think that that's what Superman should sound like, kind of like yeah. um, he's not he doesn't have a rapier wit like Batman. He's not edgy like Bruce Wayne is. You know, I think he can be. I don't. Superman's not dumb. He's not as quick thinking as Batman is. Like he's even when Bruce throws him, Superman isn't hurt, but he's sort of like shocked and stunned and a little slow to understand what just happened. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, su- it's it's a really well done thing because it shows like Batman can throw Superman, and Superman's just not ready for it. Right. And he's just not on. He's not on edge like Batman is all the time. <laughs> yeah, they do a great job in these episodes of really showing the difference between the two characters because there's a there's a bit later on um, yeah. where uh, I can't remember exactly. I can't remember what the lead up to it is, but basically Batman pull something off that Superman wasn't ready for. Yeah. And uh and Superman was says something like, "Oh, how did you know to do that?" And he's like, "It helps if you're prepared." And that's basically yeah. the two yeah. down to the essence, which is like Superman will figure it out. Like Superman's right. not an idiot. He will figure out the solution to the problem, but the difference yeah. is Batman shows up ready with multiple solutions that he could use any yeah. of that he needs to. He is prepared for the yeah, situation, yeah. whereas Superman yeah. is prepared to figure out the situation. And that's the thing is, like, if these two could get along, Clark, I'm sorry, Bruce should be able to train Clark into being a perfect superhero mm-hmm. in a way, you know? And that's kind of what I want to do with my book eventually is uh, Bruce is training Clark. You know, it's like, hey, kid, you've got super strength and you can kind of fly and all these things, but you haven't really earned anything. Like, there's a lot more you could be doing. You could be doing what I'm doing, and you know you don't want to let it take uh, get the best of you. You don't want to go into angry town like Batman does all the time. But there's a lot of things that uh, Bruce could be teaching Clark, um, and that even if Clark ever lost his powers, he would be ready with Plan B. Right. But it's just clear that Superman doesn't really need Plan Bs because things just always work out. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that's fascinating, and I, it, the irony is if these two idiots could just get along, then you know Bruce could turn Clark into the best superhero ever. But then that would mean Batman wasn't the best superhero ever. <laughs> and I think that pettiness is also another great thing about them. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this this episode these episodes also feature uh, Joker and Harley Quinn, which I I really like their the yeah. use of them in this. I was the most interesting element that I found about this is. Uh, we find out that the the shoes that the Joker wears is apparently like slip-ons or something. Because <laughs> yeah, I mean, I obviously I think it's one of those cartoon things where they just use it the way they need to use it. But it it always it looks like it's those sort of nineteen twenties. I don't know what they're called, but the black shoes with the white part on them. Oh, uh, yeah, with uh, the the uh, spats. Yeah, spats. But in this yeah. one, he pulls up his pant leg, and it's just all all leg, Woo! baby. <laughs> yeah. So he's just love, wearing like classy uh, flats, I guess, all the time. Yeah, it's funny that uh, Joker can get away with some like uh, sort of like cross dressy jokes and playing with sexuality every now and then mm-hmm. in, in ways that no one else can. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, one of my favorite parts of this these episodes was uh, when when Joker when Lex Luthor confronts Joker and he he and Joker are having their conversation while Harley and Mercy are kicking the shit out of each other on off Yeah, that's great. Very good. It's a great scene. Yeah. Uh, I love um 
one of my favorite bits is at the beginning when they're in the it's a strip club but it's basically like go-go girls dancing in these cages mm-hmm. and batman is there fighting the mob and he literally takes a go-go girl inside of a cage and throws it <laughs> into these <laughs> gun <he>? gunmen <laughs> yeah. i must have missed that i must have been taking a note or something yeah it's like first of all how strong are you second of all what about her thirdly those guys have guns and how is this this is your best plan just throwing strippers at people. <laughs> it's that like, being yeah. said, I think I'd want to draw that. Yeah, it turn it turns into Duke Nukem for a second there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love the uh, Lex's uh, airplane. It's like this big uh, wing that's oh, uh, yes. turned into a big smiley face, and such a great set piece. Yep, yep. Um, this is our first. Obviously, this is our first Superman uh, coverage, so we've never seen Mercy before who is Lex Luthor's yeah. uh, basically kind of Harley Quinn equivalent, um, yeah. who's much more kind of stoic and badass. Uh, yeah. I guess she was made for the show, much like Harley Quinn, and eventually did end up moving into comics at, at some point. But I, she you know, she's cool. She didn't make, obviously, quite the impression that Harley makes, though. Yeah, it's helpful because they have rules where men can't hit women in these shows. Um so it makes sense, like, strategically, we should give Lex a female uh, bodyguard. That way, if there's a fight, there's a girl. These girls can punch other girls, but guys can't punch girls. There is a moment in this where they break that rule, though, where um, yeah. Percy is behind Batman, and he backhands her without even looking. And I think they cut really quickly, so you don't actually see him hit her, but he clearly just <clears throat> knocked her out. Oh, yeah. She gets she gets the shit kicked out of her in these episodes. <laughs> yeah, this poor girl. She's like Rocky Four every day for her. <laughs> yeah, she in the first one when they steal Luther's limo, I think Harley knocks her out there. And then in the second yeah. episode, they're beating the crap out of each other. And then Batman backhands her into yeah. oblivion. Yeah, she has a rough time of it. <laughs> uh, the uh, one thing that I always hate about this, and I almost forgot it was in there, was when uh, I realized, oh, shit. Batman's about to use his little stupid jetpack. Oh yes, uh, thankfully jet it gets destroyed. Yes, I, I was uh, I was curious as to how you were going to feel about the use of the jetpack. This... It never works. I get why. I get why. One hundred percent. Superman's flying. Why not have Batman fly? Mm-hmm. I totally get it. But it just looks better to me when Batman is in his jet flying and Superman is beside him and they're somehow talking. Yeah, they they uh, they really picked a few instances to bring out some toys that i think were literally there for toy purposes like uh it's nice <laughs> yeah. it's nice that superman just has a a bio or crypt kryptonite rep- repellent yeah. suit yeah. radiation suit with his name uh, his symbol on it uh yeah. that you can make a toy out of or the jetpack I mean, what was why the, doesn't he wear that all the time yeah i know what was the what was the line that Joker had? The Joker had a pretty good line about the jetpack, though, where he says, what do you have, propulsion envy, I think? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a fourth wall breaking moment, too. After Harley paints the the wing, Joker turns to the camera and he's like, I like to customize all my stuff. <laughs> and then you cut to Lex Luthor sitting behind, uh, tied up next to him, and he has like a, you know, a, a pretty good response. But for a hot second, you think that he's actually speaking to the audience. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, you know, I think these episodes overall are are really well done. I think the the, the characters in them are drawn uh, very very well. I, I don't mean drawn like literally hand drawn. I mean just you know the written well written characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it honestly watching these, I I was thinking, man, I I kind of want to go back and watch this show now. But I I can't imagine they're all yeah. as good as this episode. These episodes are, but 
it made me so, interested yeah. to to touch on Superman a bit more. You know, uh, looking through all the episodes on HBO, there's only 54. So there's only two seasons worth of Superman. Really? really. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. There's three seasons, but seasons one and three only have 15 episodes. Yeah. It's super quick. And um, there's a lot that sets up the Justice League, obviously. So, yeah, I had the same thought. I thought, you know, if I'm going to get into the Justice League, I might as well watch these 54 episodes just to say I did it all. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe maybe after we finish Batman Beyond, we can come back and do Superman. Yeah, that might be the move, honestly, and then get into Justice League. Uh, yeah, that might be something worth doing. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's some really great, like, I remember loving the episode with Lobo in it. Oh, sure, sure. Like I, I, I think I just like Superman better when he's not the main character. I think it's better if he's a side character or part of a duo in some way. Yeah. And when you have Lobo, as crass as he is, just fucking with Superman, that's fucking brilliant. You know? Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I think I think he's he he can be a bit like the Hulk in that way, where yeah. I, I think Marvel figured out at least in the movies that Hulk works better as a supporting character than as a lead. Yeah. I think because. The, if he's a supporting character, you don't have to address some of those power questions yeah. or some of yeah. those other kind of peripheral questions that might make you stop and yeah. think or whatever. Um, <clears throat> like I I don't I didn't like the way that they took him off the board so quickly for the for the Justice League movie. But I understand it because it's you know, if Superman's yeah. there at full power, then what's the it, it yeah. makes it a little bit tougher to come up with a uh, uh, a villain that seems credible. Like if you've got Superman yeah. by himself, I, I think that's the problem, right? Superman by himself against an unbeatable uh, situation, I think mm -hmm. works. As soon as you've got Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman all in the mix at the same time, it's like who the fuck is ever going to be able to beat these people? Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, like the, the Avengers at least there's some, they're all human and yeah. they all have faults and stuff, but you've got like a literal god here. Uh, you've got basically yeah. two literal gods, the smartest man on the planet, um, <laughs> the fastest person on the planet, the god of the ocean. And it's like, yeah, yeah th three gods. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It's like it, it, it's a, you, you're, you inevitably have to go bigger and bigger with your threat. But yeah. if you've got Superman working as kind of like a peripheral character or maybe like a part of a duo or something, I think it's a little bit easier to kind of find something yep. that you can fine tune and tell a story with. Yeah. You know, what, what drives me nuts is there's this narrative out there on Twitter and social media. And even when you hear directors and writers talk about Superman, sometimes people go, I don't know why Superman is so hard to write. The idea is simple. He can do everything awesomely. The idea writes himself. The, the, sorry, the idea writes itself. Mm -hmm. But I've heard like Kevin Smith and a few other like respectable writers go on about how Superman is very easy to write and what's the big fucking deal. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's totally wrong. And I think it's okay that you need to have a, a, a limited cone of vision with Superman. You need to spell out your rules of which Superman you're doing kind of. like I think that these are interesting discussions. And to like hand wave... The Superman critics, I, mean, I think the critics are right when they say this character is too much of a Boy Scout, he's too powerful, he's a plot buster. I don't think those are trolls. I think those are actually legitimate criticisms that a writer has to think about. Um, and I, I hate when people hand wave and they go, well, Superman's not that complicated. What's the big deal? It's like, no, it is complicated. <laughs> like, you need to... 
sit down and think about what you're doing here, and don't pretend that these people are are trolls for asking questions. I mean, you have the mo- you have a godlike uh, figure as the uh, main character in your story. You can't just dive right in without thinking about these things, you know. Well, I I think the hand waving is a response to the uh, the. the it, it's sort of a knee-jerk response to the other side of that feeling more bad faith, I think. Because while mm-hmm. I agree with you that, yeah, there's lots of things you need to consider, I think a lot of times the people who are saying uh, he's a plot buster, he's too powerful, are doing that very dismissively. So it's like, oh, well, mm-hmm. Superman just doesn't work anymore because of X, Y, and Z. And it's like, well, no. Th- that's the job, mm-hmm. is to figure out how to make him work. He can, you just right. have to think about those things. But I think there's a lot of people who dislike the character for those reasons and mm-hmm. use those as excuses as to why he's a shitty character who is, yeah. you know, is uh, too out of touch and all this kind of other stuff. And with, in yeah. which case I would respond with, well, no, that's not the case at all. You just have to, that's part of the, that's the job is figuring out what kind of Superman you want to use and what kind of story you want to tell. I, I don't yeah. think you should just throw him away because you you need to figure out how to address his power set, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think when I was pushing back at the beginning of this saying, and I was never saying Superman can't work anymore sure. because audiences are too smart. Um, but I do, yeah, I just, I'm an advocate of you need to adjust here. Like Superman was created back when people were more innocent and naive and it worked in newspapers, but audiences are different now. You need to, you need to, um, complicate your superman in a way and and think about these things but i guess my big criticism is superman mostly doesn't work when i when i see him in movies and in comics and in cartoons mostly i'm seeing something i don't like Mm -hmm. um you know the Zack snyder movies i didn't i actually liked man of steel okay but it wasn't a superman movie it was a first contact movie sure (laughs) yes exactly yeah um i didn't like him in the other ones i um i like the cartoon of this okay i think it's probably one of the best iterations of superman but it's still missing something for me yeah yeah um i guess i just feel like there's most superman attempts in all media are mostly misses and not hits whereas with batman i feel like there are more hits yes because the character yeah. is just a little easier or something i think batman so, like i don't have my perfect superman in my head because there's sort of problems with all of them right in a way. yeah i think batman is is <clears throat> um just easier to adapt to different situations. I think Superman yeah. takes more finesse, but Batman, yeah. you can throw him into space and sure, fine, it works. You can throw him into yeah. medieval England and yeah, sure, fine, it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's just a little bit yeah. more uh, flexible than than Superman. Right. Not to say Superman isn't flexible, but again, like we've been saying, you have to you have to do yeah. a little bit more pre production work before you can figure out how yeah. how to use and, him. And I can see why writers go to intergalactic superman stories because it makes sense like well this guy's so powerful we need an equally powerful villain i know we'll have an alien show up and kick his ass for a while right or he has to go to an alien planet and do x y and z and all of those people are as a power or he doesn't have his powers when he goes there like that stuff is way easier right off the bat than trying to square how superman fits into the modern world on earth you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah you know um, the thing the thing that i don't like about superman or the way superman's used in a lot of in a lot of cases is so i years ago i read this superman story that was very highly regarded um where he's fighting brainiac <clears throat> excuse me and uh 
Brainiac has him like against the wall, and mm-hmm. he he Superman's trying to punch his way out of the situation, and it's not working. Brainiac is like outthought him. He's more powerful than Superman, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. How is he going to get out of this? And then Superman basically like steals himself up and just punches harder than he punched before and ends up winning. And I was like, that's not what I'm interested in seeing because yeah. the thing with Superman, and I, I kinda, I ta- I've talked about this in previous things, when you've got a weapon or an ability that you start out your story with being a super like unbeatable element or quality, mm-hmm. the story usually comes from, well, what happens if that doesn't work? And so if you're Superman, if you're in a situation where you're trying to punch your way out of something and punching your way out of something doesn't work, I don't want the solution to be, well, what if he just punches a little bit harder? I want the solution (laughs) to be Superman uses his brain or some other Mm -hmm. way, uses some other element of the abilities that he has to think his way out of the situation. Because I think that's that's one of the more interesting things to me about the character is that he has all this intense power, but he doesn't necessarily have to use it to right. solve every problem. And once it starts being, oh, yeah. yeah, Superman just punches his way out of the situation, that gets really boring to me. Right. You know, it's funny. As Clark Kent as a reporter and as an educated guy who's a va- avid reader and understands geopolitics, um, it is interesting to see what Clark can do on his own because sometimes these world solutions might not need Superman. Right. Sorry, a, a problem might not need Superman to address it. Sure. It might need a really well-written article with a great source um, that it makes its way into the UN, and then they solve the problem that way, and that's what Clark can do right. because he's a journalist. And I really love the moment in this um, show, uh, in the, these episodes where um, there's hydrochloric acid, and Batman's trying to figure out how to break out of this uh, this room that they're s- stuck in. And Clark says, "Use the acid on the kryptonite; it'll melt it, and it works." Right, right. And I feel like that's a nice little moment where Clark was able to sort of be Batman for a hot second, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd like to see his understanding. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a really successful version of Superman where Clark as a reporter is sort of the superhero in a lot of ways, too. Right, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, Lois serves that purpose a lot of, in a lot of places, too. Um, but yeah, I yeah. think I, I think that's... I, I like Lois as she's portrayed kind of here and, 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 and some other places where she's not just the person who is constantly being saved and she's not just a oh, yeah. not just a yeah. uh, <clears throat> catalyst for a, a story, but you know, she's doing yeah. her own legwork and stuff. I think all of all of the things we're talking about, I think were probably in the minds of the writing of Batman versus Superman, but I don't think any of mm-hmm. it ended up on the page in a way that was satisfying. <laughs> because that movie oh right that movie has a whole subplot (laughs) where it's lois doing this like international investigation about like a terrorist thing and you know it's superman as as a global entity and how the world reacts to him and all this kind of stuff and it but it just it just doesn't it it didn't land right for me in that movie (laughs) it's funny um when the prequel star wars movies came out it was fun to bag on them for about a decade and then it got old and uh, I think the bagging on Snyder's Justice League, for me, is starting to hit that thing where I'm like, I'm just so tired of talking about oh, it sure. and thinking yeah. about why it's bad. And I, I still think about it on my own, why it went off the rails. And I have to steal myself, be like, stop, stop thinking about it. Don't do this. It's just, <laughs> you right. can't figure out George Lucas. 
just accept it. You know? Yeah, it's it literally does not could not matter less to your everyday yeah. life. <laughs> like when when I'm at a convention and there's a Star Wars conversation or a Zack Snyder discussion at the bar, I look for a reason to leave. Like I'm done. Right. I just can't do those anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been there. And like, there's nothing I can say that you guys haven't heard before. Like. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I actually, I had that moment a handful of years ago. I forget what convention I was at, but I was out to dinner with Dabari and Jeff and a yeah. few other people who were, I don't know, maybe five five or so years younger than than I was. And <laughs> yeah. eventually the conversation turned to <laughs> Star Wars prequels and like, what's wrong with Star Wars? And I just like looked at Jeff and Dabari and we all were just, we were all equally just tired. <laughs> Because it was like we just didn't, we just don't have the energy to to talk about yeah. that shit anymore. Like yeah. it's not fun in a social situation yeah. to start talking about, yeah, you know how shitty <laughs> Star Wars Episode Two was. Now, if you want to pay me to do it on a microphone, I'm here all day, baby. But uh, you know, yeah, yeah, it's not. I mean, there's such a discussion that everyone's had for ten years now, or longer. Yeah. With, uh, you know, it's like even. You know, the, the the scribe of Batman White Knight has nothing new to say to you about Zack Snyder. I just don't. Right. You know, yeah. you don't want to hear what I have to say. I have nothing new to say. I, I can just like, nod and agree. Yeah, too bad this went off the rails. <laughs> right. And eventually, like, eventually, <laughs> as we're seeing with the Star Wars prequels, it's just going to come yeah. back around and people are going to be like, oh, no, those things were actually great and people didn't appreciate it. It's like, okay, fine. Whatever you want. Whatever makes you sleep at night. <laughs> cherry pick the best things out of it and use it in whatever's coming next. Go for it. I don't care. I just, yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. We were at the cabin and uh, Corinne was with us and she's an avid um, Transformers fan. And she, she went down the uh, path of uh, Transformer sexuality and gay Transformers and Transformers that are trans, which can literally transform and how you can see how there's a quagmire right there. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. All right, so yeah, so all I did, my my eyes glazed over. I grabbed my drink and my cigar, and I literally walked away from her. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to have this. I, it sounds fascinating. I'm not ready for this. I don't care. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you 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 were the embodiment of in The Simpsons when Ned Flanders tries to tell Homer about the difference between apple cider and and uh, apple juice, and his brain yeah. just leaves his head and he falls over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess to, to, to wrap it up, um, so what would you want to draw? Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, I kind of think I would like to draw that mercy and Harley fight because I think it's really is, it's a really fun comedy beat where you're focusing in on two people talking, but in the background you're getting bits and pieces of like this brutal fight that's happening. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun to do. I, I don't honestly. I don't think you could do it much better than they do it in the show. So maybe it's a waste of my time. But uh, <laughs> but I think I think that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, I think I would. The the big airplane wing that they're that they have. Mm-hmm. I've 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 drawn a vehicle like that in the wake, and uh, it's kind of fun and challenging like whenever you draw a large geometric object you kind of go into a different skill set because you're not drawing hair and, and you know rendering the same way and i kind of like that stuff um yeah the scene where they're flying over the city at night i could see some pretty interesting panels pretty simple design work too i think it'd be really effective and then having some kind of fight 
uh, take place on. And I think that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. I, if I was going to be a little bit different and, and go more Superman specific, I would love to draw Superman fighting a giant robot like that. I, I just love that sort of uh, yeah. <clears throat> Fleischer era, you know, small Superman yeah. fighting the big robot, like holding his foot up yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> I, I love that stuff. What do you think about Superman flying, carrying Batman? Uh, in what sense? I mean, I've met, it just feels weird to me when he's holding Batman and giving him a lift mm. and Batman's just being held like a child. Yeah. It's kind <laughs> of know, flying over the city. Like Batman must hate that. Yeah. It's kind of like anytime you pick up a cat when they don't want to be picked up <laughs> and their arms just sort of go out and their legs go out and their eyes get really wide. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> They just kind of have that frowny face until you put them down. Yeah, yeah. And then they kind of like turn slowly and look at you and then run away. (laughs) I want to draw that. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is exactly Clark Kent's like sour milk cat kitty face. Like, man. And he sometimes he has no choice. You know, like they're in the middle of the ocean. This cruise ship just blew up. Like, I need a ride. Mm -hmm. I have no no choice but to let you carry me from... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like a, like a cat. <laughs> um, um, one the one thing that I thought would be interesting to end this on uh, regarding the Superman animated series is yeah. is the most Alex Tothy s- story I've ever heard, which is um, originally producer Bruce Tim was going to style the series after Max Fleischer's Superman from 1941. But Tim decided to use a futuristic look to the series that the producers called, quote, Ocean Liner Deco. The reason Mm -hmm. why they didn't make it Fletcher-esque is that Tim didn't want anybody to literally put it side by side with the old Fletcher shorts and say they're just doing a third-rate knockoff of the Fletchers. Alex Toth thought the series should look like the Fletcher version and disagreed with with this decision on the art. Because of this, Uh Toth never spoke to Tim again. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Alex Toth, by some accounts, kind of a dick. Yeah, yep, yeah. Um, there's a Tim Sale. Uh, speaking of Superman for all seasons, mm-hmm. to the artist on that, um, he put out a sketchbook a while back, and he had a story where I think he and Mark Chiarello dropped in on Alex Toth in L.A. unannounced, mm-hmm. just like knock, knock, knock. Like I know where he lives. Let's just go say hi. And you can imagine oh, yeah. how that story is like guaranteed to go wrong. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I don't remember the, it didn't go that badly, but it was not a comfortable experience. And uh, yeah, a lot of people, it'd be interesting to talk about Alex Toth for a while, especially with people who like, who knew him and maybe to give some context to why he was so prickly, you know? Yeah. 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 Arguably the greatest comic book artist of all time, but also very, very eccentric, unfortunately. Yeah. Like Alex, we need to work on your people skills, man. You, uh, yes, you're a genius, but. It's okay that people draw in other ways different than how you draw. Right. You get that, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for the C Lab drawings, but I'll see you later. Yeah. <laughs> um, one other thing is that this series was actually apparently made to coincide with what would have been Superman Lives, the Tim Burton Superman movie. Oh, um, yeah. But it obviously never got made. And, you know, after seeing that documentary about Superman Lives, I don't think yeah. these two things would have been compatible at all. No. Like Batman yeah. Batman the Animated Series lines up enough with Batman 89 and Batman Returns that you can kind of yeah. draw the thread. I don't think yeah. that this would have matched that movie at all. Yeah. 
I think they should do a movie. Either, I don't know what would make me happier. If they announced that Tim Burton and Nick Cage are going to do Superman Lives now. <laughs> and they're just going to fucking do it the way they did. And it's going to be glorious and weird. And that's just what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome and terrible at the same time. Or do you want to see a movie about like a dramatization of what went on with Superman Lives? You kind of have like a um, adaptation style, fourth wall breaking, you know, you can have Nicolas Cage speak to the camera, you know, something like that, something really artistic and cool and have it be like a a waiting for Guffman style (laughs) thing at the same time. That'd be very interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know which I'd rather see. Yeah. I, I think we've talked about that documentary a bit before. Um, and after seeing that documentary, I really wish they had made that movie because it sounded completely insane. Yeah. But I think you said at the time, it's like, you know, that it would not have been as like, it would have been watered down so much by the time it got to the screen that it would have just been bad. And I was like, yeah, that's probably true. I mean, if you're Nick Cage now and he's got this new movie announced, which actually looks pretty cool. It's like a fourth wall breaking how awesome it is being Nick Cage or whatever Mm -hmm. it's called. Um, if I was him, I would go to Warner Brothers and be like, I'm going to make um, Superman lives. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to get into shape. I'm going to spend my own money. I'm going to do a low budget. I'm going to try to get Tim. Like, I'm going to fucking do this. And even if it's a disaster, a low budget piece of shit, I think it, there'll be something there. And I think people would be very interested to see how that project went. Now, legally, I don't know if he could do that or if he has the rights <laughs> or what, what they could shut him down, but I would love to see him go, you know what? I'm Nicolas Cage. And I'm fucking doing this. You know, honestly, so many of the things they're doing now are, are just tapping into uh, yeah. stuff people are aware of. If you were to tomorrow announce that they were finally going to make Superman star Nicolas Cage, I bet people would show up for it. Well, with the multiverse thing that everyone's suddenly discovered both Marvel and DC, I can absolutely see a future where Nick Cage is playing Superman as a as a cameo that would in be, some movie. Yeah, that would be amazing if they did that. That yeah. would be pretty great. <laughs> and he's just like, finally! <laughs> <laughs> but he's wearing the costume that was designed for him 50 pounds lighter back in 1996. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just got his gut hanging out like, fuck it, I'm wearing it. Hey, Superman. <laughs> Superman for all seasons. Um, there is, there is one other episode of, of Superman adventures that has Batman in it that, that you watch, but I didn't watch. Um, do you remember what the name of it is? I can't remember. Yeah. I think it's called, uh, shit. Night something. Uh, nighttime, 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 nighttime in which, uh, Superman learns that the dark Knight has been missing from Gotham for some time. Superman finds Robin who has been battling all the crime in Batman's absence, such as the Penguin, Riddler, Bane, Mad Hatter, and Roxy Rocket. Oh wow, they bring everybody into that one. Yeah, um, man. They do a they do Hatter without well he's just a bit part. It's super quick. Actually, you would love slash hate how he's used because he's just a Jim Carrey skinny green whatever prancing around. He doesn't get to do any riddles at all. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. He's just he's just cannon fodder, basically. Mm-hmm. But it is fun to see Bane think he's punching batman to death and batman who's actually superman just sort of shakes shakes it off and just pulverizes bane um i love that episode it's kind of a gimmick but uh man they do it so well and the best part is robin explaining to superman how to be batman oh yeah so at one point like they're talking to uh penguin and penguin's obviously lying but superman isn't good at shaking people down so robin's like kick the desk over and superman's (laughs) like what he's like just do it so he kicks the desk 
Not even a little. He kicks it through a wall. <laughs> and of course, Penguin just spills his guts at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you fast forward and they're sneaking around and Superman's like, I don't like sneaking around. It's not my style. And Robin's like, uh, this is part of the fun. What are you talking about? And then like he'll be reaching for something in his belt and Robin says, no, it's on the other side. Um, just so many great little moments like that. And um, it's really sweet at the end when they finally rescue Bruce. And uh, Clark's uh, last words are like, oh, you know, for a guy who's such a loner, you really do keep some pretty good company, you know, yeah, giving yeah. Robin kind of a nod. So a really amazing episode. I loved it. I could have seen more gags for a whole hour, honestly, on Robin teaching Superman how to be a badass. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'd give that one a four out of five for sure. Yeah, I do. I do remember seeing that one at the time, and I do remember really liking that. And they, you know, there's the great reveal at the end where he pulls off, he pull off the Batman suit, and he's got the Superman suit underneath, or something like that. <laughs> of course, yes, which you got to, you got to do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a great one. I, I really like. Uh, what, what would you grade the um, world's finest? I think I'd give it a five. Like I, I, I think it's yeah. it's a three part episode that I think is is really good. It. Yeah, like it's it might be a couple clicks away from from being like a really resonant episode, like series of episodes. Yeah. But as far as putting those two characters together and doing a really good job of, of showing their differences yeah. and why they are different, but also why they can work together really well. I think it's great. Yeah, it does so much really well. And I, I don't want to dismiss that. I was going towards a four, but I think I will go for a five now that you put it that way. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I felt that could be uh, beefed up is um, Joker decides that he's got he's got Lex as a hostage now, and he's just going to destroy everything Lex has. Mm-hmm. And his reason is because Batman took everything from me, so now you're going to lose everything. Which is like, what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that uh... could have been tweaked a bit, but everything else is, is, is really awesome. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. Um I think that's I think that's going to do it. So I guess uh, <clears throat> the next thing we'll be doing is uh, Mystery of the Batwoman. We're going to make sure we cover that to round everything out, I think. Oof. All right. I've never seen it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing it just because I've never seen it. And it always seems yeah. strange to me because it's sort of I remember comic books at the time having lots of ads for it in them. And then yeah. it just kind of disappeared. So, yeah, I don't know what to expect. I remember. I think Roland Daggett is in it, and it's nice seeing Roland Daggett again. Mm-hmm. Um, I only saw it once. I have it on DVD. I'm sure it's in good condition because I've never really watched it. <laughs> <laughs> but like this, like this VHS for World's Finest, I must have watched this 50 times. Yeah, I love this. Like I put it on like once a week in the background. I just couldn't get enough of it, and it really made me want to do a World's Finest story because it made me like Superman. Oh sure, yeah. Um, because he's just good as part of the of a, a buddy cop movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, yeah. it's it's a great a great example of of the two of them working together, and it, it kind of makes me. <clears throat> I can't decide. Would you have liked it if they did a series that was? I mean, I guess that's technically Justice League, but like, what if they had just done a world finest series that was every couple episodes they would team yeah. up? Do you think that would? Yeah. Yeah. Course. I don't know if I don't know if every episode would work for me. That would be a bit much. But if they had like merged the two yeah. and done like a couple Batman Superman episode, Batman episode, Superman episode, then they team up and do something. Yeah. I think that would have been pretty cool. Like a, an episodic, like an HBO style story where it's like ten episodes. It's basically doing a long movie of World's Finest, but they're sent on a specific mission somewhere to do something and they have to get along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm there all day for that. I mean, that's basically what I want to do for um, 
volume four. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, when I started to come up with the idea of how to, because people were asking me, when are you going to put Superman and White Knight? And I was like, ah, I don't know if I have anything to say. But um, I, I'm in college, actually, one of my, uh, you know, I majored in sequential art, so we could turn in um, comic pages as assignments. And I did a six-page short story of Batman and Superman as bikers. They're motorcycle guys. Mm-hmm. But I took away their powers. They're just, Superman is riding, of course, a uh, Honda preppy rice rocket. Uh, I know that's not politically correct. <laughs> but, you know, he's riding, like, the loser, like, of course, preppy. You, you wear, like, the bright colors, and you got all the pads and stuff and all that. You look like a, you look like a jerk. And then Batman, of course, is riding like a Harley, badass. He's a mechanic. He made his own motorcycle. And I had them riding around um, having an adventure, and they were fighting other villains who were on motorcycles. So mm-hmm. Mr. Freeze is on a snowmobile. Clayface is on a dirt bike. Joker's on a Vespa. You know, you could have, like, your uh, exchange your vehicle with, you know, make it matchy. Sure, somewhere, of sure. Course. And I really like this idea, and I actually pitched DC and Elseworlds story about Superman and Batman are uh, working together in World's Finest, but they don't have powers. They're not even their characters. They're, they're the essence of the characters, but they have motorcycles, mm-hmm. and they're going through, like, Kill Bill-style, uh, I don't know, getting to whatever they need to get to, but going through all these villains, basically. And I thought it would be a cool way to come up with some new concepts, sure. maybe some new toys and all that. And um, this was, like, 12 years ago, and they did not take me seriously at all. Actually, <laughs> I, I remember being in a diner with Mark Doyle, who got me on to help me get to White Knight. But at the time, he didn't know I was trying to be a writer. And I, I told this idea to him and Scott Snyder, and both of them just sort of roll their eyes and just ignore me. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I guess I'm not a writer then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm glad I did White Knight instead of that, because that's, that's a fun Elseworlds, but you know, that really doesn't have legs outside yeah. of... I feel gimmick. I feel like that's maybe like a one shot or like a forty eight page kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> Someday. Yeah, maybe I'll do that. But uh yeah, I, I th- thinking back, I think it's because of these um this mini movie, I was obsessed with doing a Superman Batman crossover. Sure. And uh yeah, I'm glad I'm really excited to you know, with your help, of course, uh, move on to doing it for White Knight. Yeah, no, I think that's gonna be super uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I was going to say super fun, but that sounded cheesy, so I changed what I yeah. was going to say. <laughs> cool, man. Well, sorry this one's so long. No, that's, no, that's all right. I mean, this is the only time for a while we're going to be talking about Superman, so I think it warrants it. But yeah. uh, thank, <laughs> thank you to everyone who's listening, and we will be back soon with Mystery of the Batwoman. Bye, guys. Bye.